In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Win in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Download the Wondery app and hear all of Season 2 today. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Stephen Ruiz and Chris Corman. You know, Stephen, I love watching uh, the Rams and 49ers play on Sunday night before we head into recording our podcast, The Counter, because they both run so many counter plays. So it's like our logo is happening on the screen. No, I hate I hate it because like every Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan game should be art. It should be like <laughs> football art. Instead, it's just too quarterbacks just like crapping their pants it's like my children running in and like throwing paint on a on picasso as he's he's trying to make something uh yeah yeah i know what you're saying uh this is the counter as i said i'm chris corman for the win joined by steven ruiz also for the win makes sense uh yeah man week six uh i you know football the nfl it's uh It's unexpected as usual. Uh, We are going to try to take some stock, try to step back and see where the league is right now. Uh, Then we will run through every game from today, at least a little bit. A couple of them are not really worth saying a whole lot about, Uh, but we had, we had enough intrigue to dig into. And then we're going to look at the Monday night games. Uh, You know, we get that rare five o'clock chiefs bills, COVID special, uh, Thanks. Thanks, pandemic, for kicking a game to Monday night at five o'clock. So that will be really interesting. And then the Cowboys and Cardinals will play later. Uh, So we'll dig into that. Steven has some thoughts. He does a post called the Monday Take Dump, which is sort of his first first brush impressions of of what happened on Sunday and, and sort of what it means going forward. That's his sort of analytical piece for Monday. And then he starts digging in for the week. So uh, we'll jump into all of that. But, Stephen, let's, let's step back. Let's look at the week. Let's look at this league, you know, as best we can at this point, uh, sort of from distance, from you often do, and I think we're planning to do it maybe this week, a post where you say one of these X number of teams will win the Super Bowl. Uh, I should have gone back and checked to see if you've ever been blatantly wrong. Like if you actually, if a team that you said wouldn't win, went back and won. But I, I, I was like I you, was wrong once. I was wrong once. The uh, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. See, wrong. look, you're just a hater. That's the problem. Is you you hate Philadelphia, so you. It That's definitely it. That's definitely you, it. You hate the Liberty, the Liberty Bell, uh, cool mascots, among other things, cheesesteaks. Uh, but that's just just you, man. So we're going to work on that post, and uh, so we're going to have this discussion now. We're just sort of going to throw it out there 
as we go. Uh, and let's just start with the, the undefeated teams. And I'm, I make sure I get all these. But two of them, two teams moved, uh, stayed undefeated today. That was Tennessee and Pittsburgh. And then Seattle, which has a bye, is still undefeated. And I think that's it, right? That's what we got. Uh, so I... I don't know. No, not huge surprises there, right? I mean, we kind of we didn't know what Pittsburgh was going to be as far as Ben Rossberger coming back from injury and, and how good he would be. Tennessee was really hot at the end of last year. We had questions about how much of it would carry over with Dean Pease leaving. Uh, they've won a ton of close games. And Seattle has Russ Wilson. So uh, of these three teams, any of them going to be in that group that you think can win the Super Bowl? I, I think the Seahawks are definitely in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the questions about their defense are valid, but that offense is so good, and they, and they still are going to get Josh Gordon at some point this season. And I just think he just takes that offense to another level. If he could stay on the field and he, he plays as well as he was playing the last time we saw him on the field. Right. Uh, the Titans, I, I don't see that really continuing. I don't know if they're going to win every one-possession game they play. So I would I would probably leave them off. I I don't think they match up with the Chiefs very well as we saw in the playoffs last year. And I don't know if the Steelers really match up with them well either. But I, I was better today. He he hit on a couple deep balls and that was had been the big concern with him early on in the season. But I just can't see him matching Patrick Mahomes throw for throw. I don't know how many quarterbacks are capable of doing that. I know the the guy in Seattle is, and that's why I think. If I had to pick out of those three teams, I think Seattle would have the best chance of winning a Super Bowl. But Pittsburgh is a very good team, and maybe Ben gets stronger as the season goes on. And I think everything else around him is good enough to win the Super Bowl, so it really comes down to him and how he progresses through the season. Yeah. Uh, Let's jump to the one-loss teams. There's two of them in the NFC North, and I believe it was probably me who said that I felt like there were three teams that were had you know, a legit chance at this division, and the one team that I was writing off completely is in first place. Uh, the Chicago Bears moved to five and one today. The Green Bay Packers fell to four and one, got beat up pretty badly by Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, and then other one win teams: the the Bills and Chiefs are both four and one heading into tomorrow's game. Uh, so one of them will emerge, we think, unless there's a tie. Uh, well, then they would both emerge with one, with only one loss. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens beat the Eagles today, so they are five and one, uh, and that's it, right? Is that am I looking correctly? Uh, so of those teams, what do you think? Uh, which which one of those will be in your group for potential Super Bowl winners? Uh, the, obviously the Chiefs are in it. I already alluded to yeah. that. <laughs> the Chiefs are at the top of the list. Let's, yes. let's all be honest. Uh, I, I'd still put the Ravens on there. I haven't really watched their offense in depth, but I like from a distance, you can see it's just not clicking right. like it was last year. And I have questions about Greg Roman. I know a lot of people were hyping him up after last year, but we've seen him do well initially with teams and then kind of, or not have an adjustment once teams adjust to his offense. We saw it in San Francisco. They started losing some talent, and the offense never really regained its form. And Buffalo, things really didn't go well for him either. I think he ended up getting fired after like two weeks. 
the, the one year, his last year in Buffalo. So I have questions about his ability ability to adjust. And uh, I mean, I think the defense of it, uh, eventually gets to, back to where it was playing last year. I think it's playing well right now. It's just the Chiefs game has like burned an image in our minds of what like what it looks like when it's going bad. So I'll still I'll, I'm probably still going to keep them in that group, but I'm skeptical. Uh, I still, I still have the Packers as a Super Bowl contender, like a legit one. I know it looked bad today, but I think everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it's like the defense either looks great or it looks horrible. And today was one of those games where where it looks horrible. Maybe they get hot in the playoffs and, and the defense plays well enough. And Aaron Rodgers just ascends to another level, which we know he's capable of doing. I, re- I could see them winning a Super Bowl going on a run like that, mostly because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Like the Bills, I, their defense hasn't really been that great. And Josh Allen is – I think he's going to be a volatile player this year. He's obviously played well this year, and he's played better than I expected him to play. But he still has that in him where he can put up a stinker. We saw that against the, the Titans. Uh, who else am I forgetting? Is there another team? The Chicago Bears. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm not entertaining that. They're in an alternate universe. They're one in five right now. Like all of their <laughs> wins have been one possession wins. I just, it's we know how this is going to end. We've seen this I movie just, play out. I just realized that the the Bills have negative three net points. They've given up more points than they've scored, uh, which is generally unusual for a four yeah, and one team. Surprising to lose. We also saw that like the Bears started three and one last year. I don't think people remember that they started three and one. So we've seen this happen before. Then they had a low point differential, and we we know their luck started to turn. So I think that's coming again this year. Yeah. You, uh, any other teams in this list? You've been high on the Rams previously. Uh, they they took a loss to the Forty ers tonight and did not. I mean, Jared Goff sort of looked like Jared Goff. Yeah, I'm so, out on them now. Because you're out. Of Jared, <laughs> All the way out. Because of All Jared Goff. Out. Only because of Goff. Because I think in 2018 when they almost won the Super Bowl, back then I don't think any defense really had answers for them except for the Patriots and I think I guess the Bears did too. But very few teams had a recipe for making Jared Goff look like this, like make him actually play quarterback. But now I think it's easier to do. And that's the difference between this team and the 2018 team. I think everything else is on the level of that 2018 team. But golf is just, I think he's a little, he's been exposed a little more since then. Yeah. Uh, Bucks or Saints. Both of those teams have two losses, veteran QBs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Bucks in that one. Um, Drew Brees hasn't been convincing, so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take the Bucks. I know the Saints' defense looked a little better last time they played, but I'm still I'm going. I think Tom Brady is actually uh, probably a top ten quarterback this year, and Drew Brees has maybe been a bottom ten quarterback. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm not gonna even mention a team from the NFC East. I, I kind of wonder if you could put together an all-star team from the NFC East, whether that team would make it to the Super Bowl. That is a pretty good question. Li- literally, this, <laughs> the entire division has five wins. Uh, well, the, your so. quarterback is Carson Wentz, so you're already starting off on the on a bad Whoa, run. whoa, whoa. You don't want to give the Red Rifle a chance? Uh, let's, let's let him get a game under his belt, <laughs> see where he's at. You know, he might, he might want to step in. The receiving core is probably pretty good, and it's just the Cowboys receiving core. <laughs> it's just Cowboys. Terry McLaren. Uh, 
the defense you're not on is the terrible. Travis Fulg- you're not on the Travis Fulgham train yet. So nah, I mean, I think he'll, he'll come around. He'll okay. Come around. Yeah, the defense though is horrible. <laughs> it's probably still the worst defense. <laughs> Um, looking at these other the New England Patriots. I mean, you can't. It's a Bill Belichick coach team. Got to got to give it some respect. And the defense still has that A game. Like the defense is still very good. And I thought they were going to regress last year, but they've proven that they can still keep the team in the game even when the offense isn't working. It's just when that run game isn't working, and basically the run game has been Cam Newton this year. That offense is just useless. He has no faith in these receivers, and I don't blame him because they're a very slow team. Like you're. Outside of their cornerback group, they're just slow at every position group, and it's noticeable. I think that's their biggest problem. I, they really need to trade for a receiver, and if they can't find one, I don't really think they have a chance of beating the Chiefs, the Ravens. I would put the Steelers on that list probably. Like Cam, it's really Cam on his own with that offense right now because the offensive line is banged up, and they – I mean, you could tell they weren't had, had in practice. I'm not going to, you know – be too down on them after this Broncos game, mostly because of the situation they've been in. They haven't been able to practice. They are dealing with injuries on the line. The line had never really practiced together, and you could see it today. So, right, Cam Newton returned to practice like Wednesday. I mean, it wasn't, right. it wasn't very. It looked like it. I mean, it did not yeah. look very sharp. A uh, couple of two lost teams in the AFC worth at least mentioning Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, and I'll throw the Raiders in there. The Raiders beat the Chiefs, so. Yeah, John Gruden's good. He's a good coach, so I just don't know about that defense. And the Browns, I, I mean, you could throw the Browns in the in the Bears' bucket. I don't think they're a serious contender. I think they might make the playoffs because of their schedule, but, right. I mean, we'll talk about Baker Mayfield later, but that's my biggest yeah. hang-up. <laughs> Uh, Colts? Uh, I'm not. I just don't think the defense is that great. And the, the defense has to be great for them to be able to compete with some of these teams. Like, you you play that defense that they typically play, that's a heavy zone against Patrick Mahomes, and you're getting destroyed. I know they beat the Chiefs last year, but Tyreek Hill didn't play, which is why the, the Colts were able to get away with playing man. If they played, right. if they manned up against a healthy Chiefs offense, they're getting blown out. Yeah, I think they're getting blown out either way. So yeah, I mean Joe Burrow tore it up a little bit uh, early today, and they eventually recovered, but uh, plenty of plenty of holes there. So I think that makes sense. Uh, so let's rank them: Chiefs, Seahawks. Am I am I right on on your ranking right now? What, what you're thinking? Chiefs, Seahawks. Chiefs, Seahawks. I think I would put the Bucks in front of the Seahawks right now. Wow! Look at that. Yeah, uh, Brady. I'm really doing it. Uh, yeah, Chiefs, Seahawks. I would go Chiefs, Bucks, Seahawks, Ravens, Ravens Steelers. Steelers. I would put the Ravens ahead of the Steelers. Ah, would I? Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> this is all going to change. That's the best thing about this is that Steven is going to go to write this post at some point this week, look at a bunch of stats, and come up with like – yeah, I don't know how drastically it'll change, but this could change by the time I go to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not allowed to sleep on Sunday night, man. That's true. I get like two hours of sleep. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's jump over to the games then. Let's let's talk about what actually happened today. What's informing some of these decisions, and we're going to start with that 
aforementioned shellacking by the Buccaneers of the Packers. Uh, I did not see this one coming. I don't don't know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was... It's hard to believe this. Aaron Rodgers was 16 of 30 for, for 35, 160 yards, an average of 4.6 yards, uh, sacked four times, QBR 70 point. I mean, he was really, really bad. Tom Brady wasn't brilliant. He sort of game managed it along, but didn't need to be. The <laughs> Buccaneers were were good enough. Um, what did you? What do you make of this one? I mean, it's feels like you're throwing it away a little bit for the Packers, but uh, that this maybe shows a potential way for the Buccaneers to move forward. Right. My takeaway from that game is that the Bucs have the best defense in the league. I think it's it's either between them or the Steelers. Right. And the Steelers were my pick for the best defense before the season, but I think the Steelers... I don't know. I just think it's exploitable against the right team. Well, it's and so I, blitz heavy. I mean, it's, right. it's like you, like you, we were talking about it earlier, and you said, "Oh, they play like the the Ravens," and we saw how that went when the Ravens played Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have to look at both those defenses in depth to really come up with a strong take. But just, yeah, the Steelers have better pass rushers. I mean, they have more talent to get to the quarterback without overloading, but. Yeah, I'm already regretting saying they have the best. De- the Bucks have the be- better defense, but I'll stick by. <laughs> That's what I came away thinking. Like they really gave that Packers offense problems in a way that we really haven't seen the Packers offense struggle this year. It looked like to me, it looked a lot like the 49ers games last year, just how overwhelmingly dominant. And I know it, I'm probably overreacting. Like a lot of things changed on that pick six. The Packers were like in control early, which wasn't the case in the 49ers games last year. Right. But yeah, I, I kind of think this, I don't want to say expose the Packers, but I think it brings up a lot of questions about them, about how they play defense, about what happens when a team can man up against their receivers. And we kind of saw Aaron Rodgers look like the player he had been the past couple of years where he's where he has to I don't know if he had to it's hard to say without seeing all 22 and what the receivers were doing but it seemed like he thought he had to do it all on his own like he had to scramble and make plays outside of the offense for them to move the ball uh looks like looks like Rob Gronkowski's back a little bit is that yeah, I mean, he still runs – it still looks like he has a piano on his back when he's running. But, <laughs> yeah, he, he made some contested catches. He made some catches downfield. I, I don't know. if I'm not ready to say he's back, but at least he contributed today. And they need him after O.J. Howard uh, was injured for the year. So I think that's an encouraging sign. I don't know if it's going to continue, but at least he's useful. Right. Uh, and what about Green Bay? I mean – is there any solution that, that you see? I mean, they've been trying to make Marquez Valdez standling like a thing for a while, and it just does not seem like he's ever going to come around. And, uh, you know, that, that draft pick of Jordan Love early in the draft when there was talent to be added just looms. You know, it just seems to loom over this team. Yeah, I think that was like the today was the first time where, where you saw like the lack of weapons become a problem 
mm-hmm. thing we were talking about all offseason, it really became a problem. And I think it's going to be a problem against good teams. I don't think we've really seen them play a great defense yet this year or even play a great team. I think we thought the Saints would be a great team. But they really they aren't. The Vikings we thought were going to be better, but it turns out they're not very good either. So I think you could say, like, during that first month when the Packers looked so great, it might have been the result of a soft schedule. Yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, let's go to the Steelers-Browns now. Uh, the, as we mentioned, the Steelers moved to 5-0. and And the Browns... We had some optimism for them as we've been talking. You know, it seemed like Kevin Stefanski had figured out how to make Baker Mayfield a useful quarterback. And all of that went away today. (laughs) Baker Mayfield was the worst version of Baker Mayfield. And Ben Roethlisberger, who we've been critical of all year for essentially not being able to throw downfield, you know, and really opting to throw short. And uh, the offense felt very limited. Uh, today, he hit a couple longer passes. It's still not a very diverse offense, but it seems to be working. Uh, so what did you take away from this game? I still think the Steelers' offense is what's going to hold them back from being a Super Bowl contender for me. There just isn't – those big plays are just hard to come by. Like he, I know Ben hit the throws today, but I don't know if that – like the larger sample size is, is – the first month of, month of the season when he wasn't hitting those throws. And it wasn't just that he wasn't hitting them. He wasn't even coming close. And, like, even today, there was no intermediate game. All of his completions were either 20 yards downfield or below 10 yards. So I think they need that element. It's going to be hard to string together these drives against not only these highly efficient offenses that could put up a lot of points and make you match them, but against better defenses, I think he's going to have – he might have some problems or the – the passing game might have some problems. I don't know. Maybe they can do it. Maybe they just haven't had to do it this year, and that's the reason why we're not seeing it. But I still need to see it before I'm ready to like jump on the bandwagon for the Steelers being Super Bowl contenders. Right. Uh, Deontay Johnson or Deontay Johnson was out again today, right? I'm, I'm seeing no targets. I'm pretty sure yeah. he didn't play. Uh, yeah, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster caught two passes today for six yards. Uh, you know, not not a whole lot going on there with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, like we were saying, Stefanski had found a way to you know get him out on rollouts and make all the things that we see with quarterbacks who need the game made easier for them. You know, routes that would flash open in front of them. Uh, they you know a lot of play action and, and figuring out how to make it work for him. Couldn't do it today against a really good defense. You've been saying that's going to hold them back this season, but it seems like it's probably a, a broader problem than that. I mean, this is something that needs to be dealt with after the season, right? I mean, this is is this proof that Baker Mayfield's not a quarterback that can sustain your franchise? Yeah, I think you have to come to that conclusion, Matt. Like, it's not too early to draw that conclusion. They're going to have to give him – like, it's usually the, the right. year, the offseason after the third year that you give the quarterback the extension. And if the season ended today, are you giving Baker Mayfield a deal that gives him 25 to $30 million a year? I, I don't think you can. I don't see how you can. They can obviously pick up his fifth-year option. But – if you pick up his fifth-year option and let him play on that without signing him, I think that's 
that shows you where the franchise is on him. You and like you said, when he plays a when he played against a good defense, he didn't look like a competent quarterback, and that was the case against the Ravens too. This is just like the worst type of of defense that he could play against because it forces him to make decisions fast. It forces him to play quarterback because they can win on early downs and stop the Browns from getting into like third and two, third and three, or avoiding third downs altogether. And when he has to play quarterback, it just hasn't looked right all year long. And it really hasn't looked right for a lot of his career now. Yeah, just not not a whole lot of growth out of Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think as we've been describing it, Stefanski figured him out. They, you know, Mayfield was bad week one. Stefanski figured him out. It's not like Mayfield was taking steps forward. He was really putting, being put in the right positions, and he has not responded by advancing at all. Uh, all right, let's jump over to Titans-Texans. This game was 42-36. You know, it was not... The, the Titans very much... Uh, came close to losing to the one and five Houston Texans. I mean, the Texans look like a better football team since firing Bill O'Brien. You know, who knows? They certainly players acted like they were, uh, you know, having more fun, playing more loose, whatever, whatever the the case may be. There, they've, they've been better, but this still was not exactly a resounding win by the Titans. Derrick Henry was amazing. He had the one long run that everyone was talking about because. A 250-pound giant outran pretty much everyone on the football team. Uh, but he carried 22 times for 212 yards. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've said it before, but Lee, how sustainable that is after the season he had last year, it's, it's an open question. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I don't know. You know, you probably you might have the stats in front of you, but 30 for 41, 364 yards. Don't know how many of those play action. I assume a lot of them. Uh, you know, how sustainable is, is what the Titans are doing? They're 5-0. and Mike Rabel seems to be pushing all the right buttons and doing all the right things and making the right calls. Uh, so uh, do you feel like this is a, a real reflection of how good this team is, 5-0? and I don't know if it's a reflection of how good they are. I, I will say this. Ryan Tannehill actually... I think he did better on non-play action today. Like this was the first time all year when that was the case. But this is my take on the Titans offense. And maybe I'm a little bit biased because I did write that Ryan Tannehill was his breakout was kind of a fluke, and maybe I'm trying to <laughs> trying to prove that take right. But I think this is an offense that is gonna look great against bad defenses. But when they play a good defense that's able to take away the play action stuff, I really think they're gonna struggle. And that's why I'm hesitant to put them as Super Bowl contenders. I also think the defense is, I don't know, it's just something is off about it compared to last year. I know like a lot of the players are the same. You can actually argue they're more talented this year, but I just think losing Dean Pease is going to be a problem against the better teams, and we're going to see it against the better teams. That's my one concern. That's my concern with the Titans. And again, I, I feel like I say this every week, but you, I watched that game and I'm like, all right, Tannehill was fine. He was good. And then I look at his stat line and it's just like an amazing stat line. Like he averaged like 8.9 yards per attempt and threw four touchdowns. But I, I mean, I still didn't think he was that great today. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hater. Maybe that's the explanation. But like if you watch that game, there's no way 
you come away thinking Tannehill was the better quarterback. Like Deshaun Watson was amazing, which I feel like we're saying every week now, but he was amazing. And there's like no, there, there are no real layups that lead to big plays for him in that offense, which is like the opposite of what the case is for Ryan Tannehill. I, uh, I love when stuff like this happens. The Titans leading receiver was Anthony Ferkser. Uh, who is a tight end out of Harvard who had uh, caught 19 passes two years ago, 14 last year, and caught eight today. Uh, coming out of nowhere. Uh, so, sure, Anthony Ferkser. Put, put him on your fantasy team, I guess. One, one of T- Tannehill's, I think his best throw of the day was to Ferkser. It was an amazing throw. <laughs> I have to give him credit for that. I don't know how he got it through the window. He got it through. Got it, through. it was like a Tampa 2 look where the – he threw it between the middle linebacker and the the guy playing the hook zone, and it was it was a great throw. I, I really want to see the all twenty two of that in the end zone view, but that's the yeah. only praise I'm going to give Tannehill today. It, it feels very dangerous to say Ferkser on our uh, on our podcast. I got to tell you, it was like yeah, playing with yeah, fire there. We are playing with fire there. I'll also say this: it was a third and thirteen near the end of the game, and the Titans were in field goal range. They didn't they did not let Tannehill throw the ball. So I don't think the Titans view him as this MVP quarterback that everyone's making him out to be. If you have Patrick Mahomes, you're throwing the ball on third and 13 in that situation. That's all I'm going to say. The counter. Speaking of letting your MVP throw the football, uh, the Baltimore Ravens did beat the Philadelphia Eagles 30 to 28. The Eagles could have tied the game with a two-point conversion that, I, I, you know, it was a perfect encapsulation of the Eagles' season. You know, they, they mount this epic comeback, they get into the end zone, and then it looked like Carson Wentz, and I think it was probably Miles Sanders, whoever was the running back, Boston Scott, doesn't matter. Uh, they just sort of, like, ran into each other and, and appeared to try to run together with the football and then got sacked by, like, four people. And the Ravens had just lined up like the Eagles never even shifted over to block the the formation correctly uh, the left tackle whoever was in at that point because uh, the Eagles offensive line is just totally decimated uh, you know dove toward the middle of the line leaving nothing I mean it was just a, a horrifically designed play that went nowhere yeah I'm putting that one on Wentz I don't know yeah it was it was Wentz because you're supposed to read those guys coming off the and I think he checked into the play. I think he made he called an audible at the okay. line. And yeah, like just based on the formation alone, the defensive look, he should have known that play wasn't going to work because the the Ravens had they had the defensive end who was going to be unblocked because Wentz is reading them. And then there's another defender outside of the defensive end who right. was standing there. They motioned a, a receiver across. And yeah. another defender ran with them. So you know that guy, that extra guy on the end of the line of scrimmage is blitzing, basically, because that, that's why he's standing there. So that was just a horrible check by Wentz. I don't know why he checked for that play, but I put that all on him. Yeah. Uh, that allowed the Ravens to escape. And it was a little bit of an escape. The Ravens did not have much trouble. They went into the half of 17 nothing looked like they were sort of in control. The offense was not great, but Lamar Jackson was making enough plays. And then a lot of that went away. The, the run game is the you know, vaunted Baltimore run game that made sort of everything possible last year has, has not showed up this year. 
on. They they have not figured out how to get Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and rookie J.K. Dobbins going. Uh, you know, it's Lamar carrying that, and then Lamar has not really developed much chemistry with wide receivers like so not not a whole lot of movement there. Uh, Hollywood Brown and four catches, losing only at one. Devin Duvernay, who they are hoping comes forward at three. Um, but this offense really is not is not working very well. And I, you, know, you mentioned already, it just does not seem like Greg Roman's really has uh, his first pitch. <laughs> it's, it's good, right? Like he sort of got all this all these compliments last year for developing an offense around Lamar and the run game. Uh, and, you know, let's let's avoid the whole, like, defenses uh, or, you know, offenses of defensive coordinators have caught up to the Ravens and Lamar. Uh, this just – there's always those little moves, right? There's always, like, little adjustments that need to happen and, and just does not seem to be happening with whatever the Ravens offense is doing right now. Yeah, I'm like I said earlier, I'm really concerned about Greg Roman's ability to adjust, but it just seems like defenses have figured out how to get the ball in the hands of the player they want it to on the, on those read option plays on those option plays. Whereas last year, I don't think they were really figured that out until maybe the end. I think the bills really did a good job of laying out a blueprint for shutting down their run game. But like right now, the offense just seems to be all Lamar. Yeah, it's it's yeah, no it longer is. him getting a lot of help. Like it, like last year, right. he was obviously brilliant, but he was still getting a lot of help. The offensive line was playing well. The receivers were catching the ball for the most part. Uh, the run game, the running backs were just as productive as he was. But now it's it's like everything's a, a bit harder for him. And right. I'm putting that on Roman. I, I don't right. think it falls on Lamar at all. I wouldn't blame him. I don't think he's been figured out. I just think he's not getting a lot of help right now. And they, they are still 5-1, and one and they're right. still putting up a decent amount of points. So I'm not too worried about it. I think maybe they figure it out eventually. That coaching staff is very good. And I think – I mean, we saw it last year when the defense struggled initially. They eventually figured things out. Maybe it just is going to take some time with – you know, they didn't have a full off season. They didn't have a full training camp. Like this is still preseason, basically, for a lot of teams. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the Ravens are. Uh, you, you know, they were. I I don't remember where they were last year, but probably near the top for first down runs uh, because they ran the ball more than any team in the league. Uh, but this year, they have not really adjusted at all. And I, I'm looking at a tweet from at Nick Verd, uh, and he, you know, by his charting, I haven't checked this, but. The Ravens were, uh, you know, on, on first and ten, they were five. They were five of fourteen successful runs for an average of three point nine yards, and then there were five of eight successful passes for an average of nine point four yards. Uh, so they really need to be throwing the ball more. They need to be putting more trust in Lamar Jackson's arm, and they aren't. You know, they're not. They're not taking that step. They're not. They're not trusting him to do that, and and it's putting him behind the chains. Uh, you know, and that's bad for any quarterback. Uh, the Ravens' defense. I'll be interested with, if you look at the all twenty-two of this to see what you thought. I mean, it, it it's a classic. Like, oh, they they took their foot off the gas to use the horrible uh, sports anchor cliche. Uh, but the Eagles. I, I think there was one starting. Uh, lineman who played uh, 
Jason Kelsey in the middle. The rest of these guys, you know, they were getting swarmed early on. Uh, Ertz missed a bunch of time. Sanders missed a bunch of time. The wide receivers, you know, their wide receivers are all out. I mean, this is a very bad offense to put up a bunch of points late against this team. So I, I don't know that it's indicative. I mean, it's, it's certainly concerning. But like I said, the Ravens' secondary is really good. Um, and so I, I think if they can figure that out. Uh, but this, I, I'll be interested to see if you if you have a diagnosis for how the Eagles did this because they were just very bad. I mean, neither one of these quarterbacks, you know, I watched this game closely. They they were just not in rhythm at all. Right. You know, neither one of them. I mean, their time to throw was was among the highest today. And Carson Wentz just continues to look like a guy who, you know, there was one play when I when he when he made it, I said to you, he just. You know, he was trying. He was taking on tacklers, like he was just like being tough and saying, "I'm going to take on these three guys." And one of them took the ball away while he was trying to get extra yards. Uh, it's the story just, of Carson Wentz's career so far. I mean, right. it's like I've said this before. He's either like the best quarterback on one play or the worst quarterback. There's like no in between, and that's what he has to figure out. He has to have that in between game. Like he has to have the solid plays. The range of outcomes can't be as wide as it's been this year. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of their plays in the second half, like a lot of the offensive production came on big plays. And I don't – I mean, I feel like it's kind of expected with the Ravens' defense. They do run a very complicated scheme, especially on the back end. And like I said earlier, like they didn't have an offseason. And we saw last year they struggled initially. And there was a lot of coverage busts and big plays given up. So I'm not going to, like, be too worried about that. Going back to the – point yeah because they, they lost john hightower a couple of times he dropped a, a long pass on the first series then he later caught one where they just weren't covering him and then jason croom a tight end caught it he was just standing alone in the end zone and everyone on twitter joked like who is this guy but i mean it's very possible the ravens didn't realize he was playing. <laughs> so going back going back to the ravens offense i like we didn't we gave them a pass last year for for running a lot because it was working right. and they were historically good at running. They're still right. very good at running, like by the numbers, EPA mm-hmm. wise. It's just not, they're just like a regular good running team and they're running a lot. So they're, I don't think it's been efficient. It hasn't been an efficient way to play offense. If they're not going to have that historic running game and they can't figure out how to get back to that, I think they have to change their run pass splits. And like you said, they have to lean on Lamar a little bit and let him throw a little bit more. Uh, the Broncos beat the New uh, Patriots. You've always already mentioned that this, you know, it's not a game to put a whole lot of stock into for the Patriots, just because they were coming back from some COVID interruptions. Cam Newton, in particular, had not practiced for a while. You had some interesting thoughts on he. He just looked like a guy who was just not sharp at all. He was sort of holding on to the ball a tick or two longer than he needed to. Just sort of felt out of step yeah he looked like he looked like a guy that hadn't practiced in two weeks which <laughs> i mean the offense as a whole hasn't really practiced the last couple of weeks so i'm yeah so i'm not too surprised that they looked so bad and the issues for cam today are haven't really been issues throughout his career he was just he just wasn't pulling the trigger on the passes and that's never mm-hmm. been a thing with him there were just some opportunities that he missed and Overall, the Patriots as a team on offense, just, it was just uncharacteristic mistakes. There were penalties on, on both sides of the ball. 
They had a couple, I think they had a fumble or two. They had two, I would say they were fluky interceptions. Like the first one definitely was like a defensive lineman had to dive and sprawl out to barely catch a ball. Like that doesn't happen usually. And then his second interception was another tip pass. The Broncos actually tipped a lot of passes at the line. And maybe that was Cam holding on to the ball too long. I think, I think once he starts practicing again, he'll be better and the offense will be better, but it's still a concern. Like, they have no speed on offense. They have no threats on the outside. His passing yeah. chart is just all short passes. I, I they need a receiver. They right. They're not going to win a Super Bowl if they are. They're not going to contend for a Super Bowl if they don't get one. Right. I mean, one third of uh, the team's passes uh, targets were went to James White. Uh, and then Demir Bird had four targets. Julian Edelman had six targets, but only caught two. He only Cam Newton only threw at Nikhil Harry twice. Uh, you know this like it's just nothing, nothing going on here. Uh, like, the best passing play was when they had Julian Edelman throw it to Cam Newton. Like Cam Newton right. might be their most explosive receiver. <laughs> uh, and you, we we had sort of sketched, tried to sketch this out all s- summer. Like, what's this offense going to look like? And and you envision them running a a much different sort of offense than what they did for Tom Brady because Cam Newton is a, is a running threat and has to be accounted for. Uh, has that materialized at all? Are you seeing any of that? Or is it just that Cam Newton is in a somewhat similar situation and he's just like Brady uh, in the last few years, just dealing with a severe lack of talent around him? Yeah, they definitely have gone to that different type of offense. They're still very good at running the ball, mostly because of Cam Newton. They couldn't run it today, though. And I think that's when you really see their talent deficiency exposed at the receiver position. The Broncos did a really good job of shutting down the run game. Cam Newton was basically the whole run game today. And the one thing that I've been disappointed with, I, I don't think they've done a great job of meshing their play action passes with this new run game, mm. I think McDaniels could do a better job of that. And hopefully that's what he does going forward. And I think that's really what will unlock this passing game if they don't add a receiver. Because if they keep doing the same stuff and they don't add another guy, I think it might look this bad all year, especially when they can't run the ball. When they can't run the ball, the offense is just useless. Right. Uh, how did the defense look? I mean, Drew Locke only completed 10 passes, but – He's Drew Locke, so I don't know if that was uh, yeah. him. Or- I should say one more thing. Like the offensive line was really banged up and yeah, they didn't right, practice. Right. I think that's like that probably made the offense look a lot worse than it, it should have looked. But yeah, Drew Locke was fine. Like the numbers looked terrible, but I think he played a lot better than the numbers say. Mm-hmm. He did have like at the end, he like he melted down at the end with the two interceptions. Those were pretty bad. And he, he could have been intercepted at least once or twice more. I know J.C. Jackson had a, a dropped pick in the end zone. and right. But he threw the ball deep. He, like, he was throwing the ball deep well today. He hit his deep passes, which he hadn't really done throughout any of his starts for the Broncos going back to last year. I mean, he's just like – I think he's a high-variance guy. Like, he can make some throws. He has a very good arm. He's athletic. He can get outside the pocket. I think he's he's – aggressive to the point where I don't think he really hurts him, but like he's 
it's like a good way to be aggressive as a quarterback. Like he'll, he'll make some throws. He'll throw into tight windows. He'll check. He's like, he's not uh Derek Carr is basically what I'm trying to say, but he turned his brains off, his brain off for a couple of plays. Like he took a lot of bad sacks today. Like I think he lost like 26 yards on two sacks and knocked him out of field goal range, but he's still very young. So maybe he turns it around. Maybe he, does the Josh Allen thing and puts it all together, puts it together in year three or whatever year it is for Josh Allen right now. Right. Uh, Colts Bengals. The Colts won this one 31 27. The defense did eventually shut down Joe Burrow, as I mentioned earlier. But, uh, you know, I think this was an example of what you were talking about with this defense, which was ranking very highly DVOA and EPA per play. Uh, all the all the good advanced metrics, um, but I think you. This is where we saw that really it was not something that was going to carry through for the year. But Philip Rivers had a great game. Uh, you know, you've been praising him all season. Twenty nine, forty four, three hundred seventy one yards, three TDs. Uh, just looked like the solid the solid QB that they were looking for. I mean, a guy who you know continues to make. All the throws, you know, I mean, he threw deep a couple times, uh, you know, was really getting the ball all over the field. Uh, so what do you what'd you take away from this game? It it went at, as I expected it to go. Like, I, I think in the preview podcast last week, I said that this is the type of defense that Burrow would be good against. And we saw him play well initially. But... My main takeaway was Philip Rivers is who I thought he was last week. I don't think anything changes changed for me. I know a lot of people were rushing to say he was washed up and he was done and he was the the problem for the Colts, but he's the best player on that team. And he, he's going to be the reason they make the playoffs if they do. They need to give up on these run plays and just start letting him pass on early downs. I think that's the best way for this team to operate and – once they realize that they're maybe they're not this dominant run team that they are on paper, I, because I would, say they, line. I would say they realized it today because they they only ran the ball fifteen times. So, well, I think a part of that was the fact that they fell behind by twenty one <laughs> points early. So, I mean, why don't they act like they're down twenty one at all times? I think they'd be <laughs> a much better team if that was the case. Like Philip Rivers is still a very good quarterback. He threw one of his patented uh, floater corner routes in the in the red zone right. for a touchdown. That's how you know Philip Rivers is cooking. Oh, let Philip cook. Uh, what do you think of Philip Rivers? Uh, the the art that was that was people are mocking on Twitter, and it's you know it's been around for a couple weeks now. But these like artistic renderings of the players that are being shown during games, and like Philip Rivers had guns, a huge gun. Joe Burrow looks like uh, he looks like the strongest defensive lineman ever to play. <laughs> What, Joe Burrow what? looks like what Bengals fans thought he would look like when they drafted him. <laughs> like that Joe Burrow can make far hash throws and he could throw deep. <laughs> and oh, what's it? Philip Rivers looks like a superhero, by the way. He's like jacked. And it's really like the funny thing about these, nah. the funny thing about these drawings is like the quarterbacks are all jacked, but like the other players just like look normal. Like I saw Julio Jones's drawing today, and he he looked like a like he looked like Julio Jones. But then, like Tom Brady is like just ripped. <laughs> who like who is? I don't, I don't even know who to think of when you like. Okay, who's the strongest quarterback to ever play the game? Like, who would you think would have the most ripped physique like these drawings? And like 
Cam doesn't even look like that, right? Like, yeah, I want to see what Cam Newton's drawing looks like. Like, is it just like ball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I I really we'll get once we uh, once we hit it big with this podcast, we'll hire that artist and they will sketch you in your closet <laughs> recording, but you'll have like a tank top on and your muscle will just be bulging as you hold the microphone. It'll be amazing. That is what I look like. I don't know what you're getting at. Yeah. <laughs> if I did like 10 push-ups, I would look just like the Tom. <laughs> uh, let's go to that Sunday night game. Let's talk about what we just watched. Um, surprise, right? I mean, this is not uh, the 49ers lost. I mean, got blown out by the Dolphins last week. Uh, had some corners return, had some, some secondary help that really came through. But as you mentioned earlier, you're putting this one on Jared Goff. Uh, by the way, the final score, 24-16 on this one. Goff and Jimmy G, we were laughing about it earlier, they had uh, their completion percentage over expectation was both of them had negative had 7.8. And... You know that sort of goes along with your your analogy earlier that they they are just the two guys who are ruining the game plans of these offensive geniuses, just not being able to make the throws. It's like it's like if you're watching The Godfather and for some reason Polly Shore was in the movie, <laughs> which is like a, a very timely reference by me. Pull out Polly Shore, yeah. I mean, what is Polly Shore doing right now? Like Polly Shore is somewhere living and like just. You know, trying to, I don't know. Sorry. Is he alive? He might be dead. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, my God. That's pretty dark. <laughs> I don't were, really know. I feel like I was a, a lot nicer. But anyway, go look on either my timeline or Next Gen Stats for Debo Samuel's route chart. It looks like yeah. like a run chart. He had 97 yards after catch, and he had 66 yards receiving. Right. So that means 30 uh, – like. He had 30 yards behind, like, was behind the line of scrimmage. Right. That's his air yards. I don't know how many targets he had. I think he had six. So his average depth of target was minus five. He, Kyle Shanahan was not going to let Jimmy G play quarterback this game. And that's probably why they won the game because their defense right. played really well and, and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't make any of those mistakes that have killed this team when they've lost with him at quarterback. Right. He's, I mean, he did a better job of hiding his quarterback. You know, and Garoppolo's numbers look better, right? Like, the average person is going to look at this and say, like, golf played terribly and Garoppolo played well. Uh, you know, because Jimmy G is 22 for 33, 268 yards, three TDs. But, uh, you know, if you actually dig in on the film or watch closely enough, it was just that he was asked to do even less than Jared Goff was, and it worked out. There was uh, there's a, a a 49ers fan Twitter account. It's called it's at RSF49ers, and he, they did the the Pope meme with okay. him holding up a picture of Jimmy G, and it says, "Where are the Jimmy G haters at?" Did this person watched the game. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if this is what you want out of your quarterback, if that's if that's what you think can get you. I, I mean, obviously it can get them to the Super Bowl when if they have Bosa, uh, and and it, you know they have, they've lost other members of the defensive line too now. So I, yeah, it's just not that's not really what you're looking for. 
so you're all the way out on the on the Rams. You've gone from I think thinking that they were the the class of the NFC, but you're now. I don't know. Maybe I think I think that's a little too harsh. Because Jared Goff can go on these runs where he looks good, and he just has to be had to go on. He just has to go on that run for like four games for them to make a Super Bowl run. So maybe he still has it in him. But if you put replace him with say, I'm trying to think of like an average, not even an average quarterback, but like a slightly above average quarterback. Like give them. Yeah, I can't wait to see what name comes out here. I know. I'm really like trying to make this a good choice. Give them Kirk Cousins, and I think no. – no, I'm not going Kirk. Give them Matt Ryan, and I think they're Super Bowl contenders. Wow. Although Matt Ryan was pretty good today. Like, he had been bad earlier in the season, very, but yeah. he was very good. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what about Nick Foles or Teddy Bridgewater? if we gave him one of those guys? No. Because no, no. <laughs> Nick Foles will do the thing where he, he, like, craps his pants in a game every now and then. I will remind you that Nick Foles won a Super Bowl and uh, won MVP of that game. Apparently, you can't even recognize heroes when you see them. These two, Nick Foles and Teddy Bridgewater, played a football game against each other, and the Bears won 23-16. We buried this game at the bottom of our show, toward the bottom of our show, uh, which you know should be an indication of what we actually think about the Bears, but they are 5-1. and one found a way to win as the saying goes uh, I don't know I was there anything interesting about this game Any, anything beyond the fact that the Bears are still five and one uh no <laughs> in short no uh there what's their point differential I'm looking at they have a 12 a plus 12 point differential. For context, the 49ers have a plus 18 point differential, and they just got blown out by the Dolphins. Like, this team is not real. I know, like, I picked them to go 3-13, and 13, and obviously that prediction looks very dumb right now because they have five wins already. But let's be honest, this team is not going to do anything. They're not going to do any damage in the playoffs if they do make the playoffs. I think I don't even think they're going to make it. But this is a fake team. I'm not buying it. I'm sorry, Chicago. I don't think Chicago – are Chicago fans buying – like, obviously there's the optimistic <laughs> ones and the delusional ones, but, like, are, like, serious Bears fans – do they really think this team is for real? I don't think so. I don't know. That's a great question. That's, that's a great question. Uh, speaking of unserious teams, let's do some quick hitters in some of these other games that, quite frankly, were – you know, they happened. Um, there was they, some football played. Yeah, there was there was some football played. Uh, Atlanta, after getting rid of Dan Quinn, goes out and beats the Vikings forty to twenty three. As you mentioned, Matt Ryan uh, looked like his old self 30, 40, 371 yards, four TDs, winging the ball around to Julio Jones, caught eight for one hundred thirty seven. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what to make of that. The uh, the Falcons are in a situation now where they sort of have to figure out how long they want to ride with Matt Ryan, right? Like they can get out after 2021, I think, pretty easily. Um, but it's just a question of, you know, what what direction they want to go. I mean, our, I think our show is pretty unabashed in the idea that the, the right process is to, you know, tank and 
get draft capital and get a high draft pick and start with a young quarterback you don't have to pay a ton of money to and you can build around. Uh, so it's just a question of when they're going to get there. And meanwhile, the Vikings are now one in five while paying Kirk Cousins all the money. And suddenly you have to wonder whether they're going to be in on that quarterback-seeking mode pretty soon. Yeah, uh, I'll take Matt Ryan first. I do think he has a couple years of good football, and he did look good today. But I watched that game, and that ball was hanging in the air for a long time. I'm not going to say he's washed, but the arm is looking a little suspect right now. So if I'm the Falcons, I give up on those few years of good football that he has left and start thinking about moving on, especially if they have a high draft pick and they can take Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they're going to be in position to do to get either of those guys because the Jets exist in this world. The Giants exist and the Washington football team exists. So I don't know if this is the year you start to move on, but I think next year has to be Matt Ryan's last in a Falcons uniform. A Falcons right. uniform. If this is gonna, if this rebuild, because they need a rebuild, and I think that's the first step of the rebuild. Right. Yeah. He's thirty-five. He said he wants to play till like Drew Brees, Tom Brady age, but so that's you know that's six, seven more years, eight years in Brady's case. But uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like the best path. What about the Vikings? What are they gonna do? I really think you just gotta. I, I need to look up Kirk Cousins' contract, but I know yeah, it's basically going, fully guaranteed. I'm going to it right now. I think um, you just eat the cap hit, honestly. I know they don't have any cap space to work with, but I think next year you just eat it and you start over and you, you blow things up. And you look for a new quarterback because it's clearly not going to work with how they have this set up. Like They're going to have to get extremely lucky in the draft in the next couple of years or, and like have like a situation where the saints went through when they were going seven and nine every year. And Drew Brees was, I mean, Drew Brees was obviously very good, but they like hit on a draft class or two in a row. And then they became Super Bowl contenders again. I think that's what the Vikings need. Right. But I don't know if it's going to happen. And didn't they trade, what did they trade for Yannick McGoughley? Was that a first round pick? Uh, Remember off the top of my head. Yeah, Cousins, so they can get out of Cousins' deal after the 2021 season for 10 million dead cap. So seems like a pretty good chance they'll run it back next year because yeah. they do have good wide receivers. And, uh, you know. The Ngakwe trade was for a second round pick. So, second. I mean, that's some draft capital they could probably use, and they probably wish they had back if they could do it over again. Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson continues to tear it up nine receptions for 166 yards. Uh, two TDs for the rookie. Uh, so, I mean, they, there's a lot to build from, build off of there. But, uh, Kirk Cousins remains Kirk Cousins. Uh, the, the Giants and the football team, you mentioned how bad they are. They played a football game. <laughs> I, I have to tell you that I, I don't even know. I know it was a one-point game. I know it probably, therefore, came down toward the end. But I have no idea what happened in this one. And I'm not sure I really want to know. But if you have thoughts, you can share them. And I'll start looking up stuff about the other game. I, I have no thoughts. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of hard-hidden analysis you come to the counter podcast for. I have no thoughts. <laughs> that's the counter. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking at these numbers here. And, um, yeah, I, I don't, are both these teams going to want a court? I mean, 
we, we've already discussed this, right? Like, whichever team gets number one needs to pick Trevor Lawrence. The same probably goes for number two, right? Whoever ends up in number two needs to pick Justin Fields. But if is Dan, I mean, is there any doubt in your mind with if if it's the Giants and with the way Daniel Jones has played? Because you've been fairly you've been complimentary of of who he is and what he could become. Uh, I think you absolutely have to move on. Like I was higher on him than most, but I still didn't think he was a player that should have been drafted as highly as he was. And when you have a chance to replace him with a player, like a, a generational quarterback, which I, I consider Trevor Lawrence, you do it every time. Mm-hmm. Because like you're, the ceiling what about is limited. Fields, the I, I know that Lawrence is no question, but what about Fields? What about if they... Oh, yeah, they same, boat, same boat for him. I think he's like a blue chip quarterback prospect. I would put him above Joe Burrow, actually, in terms of talent. Like, I would definitely – yeah, I think he's – if Lawrence isn't around, he's the number one pick, and it's obvious. Uh, but I think – does this – is there any way the season ends without Dave Gettleman losing his job? And if he does lose his job, I think the new GM is going to want a new quarterback. So that's really what it comes down to is, is Gettleman around. If he's around, I think they give Daniel Jones another year. If he's not, I think they start thinking about another quarterback. Yeah. Sounds about right. Speaking of losing jobs, the Detroit Lions beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-16. to guess we're going to have Matt Patricia for another week. Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, you know, Lions are 2-3 and three and could conceivably turn it around. Uh, but I don't... Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, the rookie, uh, finally had a little bit of a breakout game. 14 carries for 116 yards, two TDs. Certainly bodes well. Um, but, yeah, I got, I got nothing else. I got nothing about this one. The one thing I will say is I think Jaguars fans have come to the conclusion that Gardner Minshew is not their quarterback of the future. Like, he's a fun quarterback, but... They need a new quarterback. Like he's not, he's not the guy. What makes you say the fans have come to that conclusion? I don't know. I just saw tweets. I, I follow a lot of Jaguars fans, and I think they yeah. all saw today that he's just too limited physically, and I don't think it's. I mean, that's never going to change. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as you pegged him, he's just sort of like a perfect backup, perfect career backup. Mm-hmm. Make. Millions come in every now and then, chuck it around, be entertaining, go back to the, go back to the sideline. Uh, the final game of the day that we haven't talked about: the Dolphins beat the Jets twenty-four to nothing. And this game did give us it gave us the most hilarious play of the day, which was Joe Flacco running backwards about thirty-three <laughs> yards before being sacked. Uh, I yeah, I mean, what I, but Joe? Just like go, I don't. Joe has so many. Joe Flacco has so much money. Just go do something else, man. It's like you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to put up with this. Uh, but it also gave us one of the most sincere, lovely moments of the day. Tua Tagovailoa uh, finally played just a little bit at the end of the game. Uh, you know, it was it's not what we've been saying that he needs a real look. But he did get in and completed both of his passes. And then he came back out to the field and sat on you know, sort of in the middle of the field and apparently FaceTimed his parents and made for some great pictures. 
we have a post about it up before the win. Uh, so that was nice. It was a lovely little, lovely little moment, little COVID moment. My parents couldn't be there. So he had to connect with them a different way. And it wouldn't have been possible without Adam Gase. I think we need to give him credit for, <laughs> for letting the Dolphins blow them out to the point where Tua could get in the game. Like Adam Gase is making uh, good things happen on the field. Maybe not for the Jets, but for the other team. And we really need to start talking about how Adam Gase might hand deliver Trevor Lawrence to the Jets, which would be a great development for them. If that's the case, we have to consider the Adam Gase hiring as one of the greatest moments in Jets history. I, I mean, and it's not even like you're not even really joking. Like that's the thing is that too. No, I am 100% serious. Right. Like having Trevor Lawrence – could change the face. Uh, this was talked about a lot today because the Eagles traded the pick that the Ravens used to get Lamar Jackson. So, you know, in some ways, like Carson Wentz appearing to be an elite quarterback for a period of time where the Eagles were like, yeah, we can, we'll trade back out of the first round. Like we don't need, and then Baltimore jumping up and getting Lamar, like that's game changing. But, but this is like, this is Adam Gase just pulling off, like Sam Hinkie is jealous of the tank that Adam Gase is pulling off at this point. Uh, and like Sam Hinkie, Adam Gase will be gone and will not be able to enjoy any of it. But it could change the, the face of the Jets for, you're right, two decades. Like, you know, my kids could be done college by the time Trevor Lawrence gets done winning a bunch of Super Bowls for the Jets. And it's all because be, of what's happening right now. They'll be thinking about the Jets dynasty started because of Adam Gase. Like he's, yeah. he's really turning this franchise around. If he gives them, gets them that quarterback. I'll show them the memes where he's like using his big eyes to look at tacos floating through the, <laughs> the, uh, the frame. Uh, that's it for the games from today, but uh, from Sunday, but Monday night's games are interesting, especially Chiefs Bills, uh, because I don't think either team is playing as well as it can play recently. Uh, so I'm wondering what you're looking at here. You mentioned that the Bills' defense has not been as good as as expected. Uh, so could be could be that the Chiefs just run run away with this one. But what are you expecting out of this game? I'm expecting the Chiefs. I'm expecting the Chiefs to win. I was about to say I'm expecting them to score a lot of points, but I don't know if that's the case. I I don't want to doubt a Sean McDermott coach defense because he has been so good for so long. And he's even when the Bills' defense has kind of struggled in the past, he's kind of figured it out eventually. And maybe that happens this week. I don't know. Uh, it's a hard team to be trying to figure things out against. I really just want to see what Josh Allen does, how he follows up that bad performance last Tuesday against a defense that's going to throw some exotic looks at him, going to do some stuff that might give him problems mentally. This is really this is the game that I think decides what the Bills are going to be going forward. Are they going to be a team that's capable of winning the Super Bowl? I think if they are competitive against the Chiefs, it's going to be hard to to say that they're not. Interesting. Kansas City's a five and a half point favorite here. What do you What do you think in there? I mean, I would never bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I would t- I would lay those points. I I don't know. I I could look. I could see this going either way. I could see Josh Allen having a huge game where he scores like five touchdowns, 
Or I can see him having a game where he throws like two or three picks. I don't think there's going to be any in between. I don't think he's just going to play a solid game. I think it's one of those two, and that's really going to decide who wins the game. Uh, Cardinals-Cowboys is the regularly scheduled Monday night game. Arizona is actually a point favorite in this one. We're going to see Andy Dalton leading the Cowboys a week after Dak Prescott went down. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm surprised that, it, I mean, the Cowboys obviously have not been good, <laughs> but, um, you know, Arizona has not exactly been sterling either. What's your, what's your takeaway on this one? I think Cliff Kingsbury might. I don't know. I think they might score 40 points. Wow. Because this. Is there something about Mike Nolan's defense that Cliff can exploit? Like we talked about this on the last podcast with Betts when we were talking about how undisciplined they were, how bad their eyes were. And I think this is like the worst offense to do that against. If the Cardinals don't score at least 30, like something went wrong for them. I really think this is going to be a game that their offense like looks great on national television and everyone's talking about the Cardinals on Tuesday. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be very disappointed. I'm going to, I'm going to cancel Cliff Kingsbury. He should have a field day with Mike Nolan. Oh no, more canceling you and your cancel culture. Who did we didn't, we canceled someone this week. Like it it was the 49ers and then they came back and beat the Rams. So yeah, but then, but now we canceled the Rams though. So if someone, if somebody's canceled and then they beat someone, then they, that the cancel carries over to them. It's like contagious. Yes, because the Somebody, Cowboys have already been canceled. Canceling, they get canceled. Oh, we've yeah. already canceled the Cowboys. Yeah, canceled the entire NFCs. How much of a drop off is Andy Dalton uh, from Dak Prescott? Because I mean, he's still throwing to uh, an incredible way, array of weapons. Uh, you know, he's been a, a competent quarterback in this league. Um, so how much of a drop-off is it exactly in your mind? I mean, I think it's a big one because I really think Dak Prescott is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and Andy Dalton's probably a below-average quarterback by this point in his career. But like you said, he has so much talent around him that I don't think it's going to look like a major drop-off, at least in like the production, the stats, and how many points they're scoring. I still think they're going to score put up points. But there's no margin for error for that offense with the, how the defense is playing. I think that might be an issue. And maybe Andy Dalton has to press late in games and maybe he throws a couple more picks than we're used to seeing from the Cowboys. Mm. I think that's how it's going to manifest itself. Uh, all right. Well, we'll have some coverage of those games, obviously, uh, over for the win later tonight when they're happening. Have our guys on there commenting on what's going on. Uh, Steven and I will come out with a video on Tuesday morning where we do a little bit of breakdown of what happened on Monday night. Uh, so look for those, uh, later today, uh, over at for the win, which again, ftw.usatoday.com. Steven will have the take dump. He's going to look into what's ailing the Patriots offense and maybe consider, uh, you know, the, the need for another wide receiver and who that actually could be. What are the actual possibilities? What's, you know, what's out there? How, how could, how could this offense be fixed? Uh, take a look at the Eagles and whether there's any sort of clear path for that team to be back to relevancy. As I said, they played without a lot of talent today, but 
I'm not sure that even if all those guys, if Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Deshaun Jackson were there, I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. I I think if the entire offensive line was there, then maybe a little bit better. But it's, again, they brought back the left tackle that they got rid of (laughs) to to come back and play left tackle. So um, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. And so Stephen will take a look at that more on Baker Mayfield and whether or not the Browns can do anything with him moving forward. I think we've answered that question today, but you know, it's there, there seem to be, they, they are Browns fans are not anywhere close to where Jags fans were with Gardner Minshew, which makes sense. Baker Mayfield was the number one pick overall. So it's much harder to let go of the dream. Uh, But we also have plenty of, sample size to know that he's not the guy. And then, uh, I don't know, a couple other takes. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil. I don't want to like preview all the takes. Yeah, Don't give uh, the game away now. Yeah. We, we yeah, wait till you get dumped tomorrow. <laughs> and then you can take a look. I'll uh, we'll have the film cutups later in the week that Steven does and you know, all sorts of NFL coverage. So, Stick with us. He's at the Steven Ruiz on Twitter. I'm at Chris Corman. You can find us there. And Steven, any closing thoughts? Adam Gase for Coach of the Year. What? I, I mean, come on. If they have the first overall pick, he's Coach of the Year. He should be Executive of the Year, I think. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe Executive of the Year. He, he deserves some type of award. He should get we're a not portrait. Old- for, you get a portrait drawn with huge muscles. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I want, I want to see the Fox artist. I want to see how they tackle Adam Gase. Like, he, I guess since he's a coach, they give him like a, nobody's they, tackling any of those draws. They should give him like a huge brain. I think that's <laughs> the equivalent for a coach. Oh man. All right. Thanks for uh, being here with us. We'll be back with another episode on Thursday evening or Friday morning. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports, featuring For the Wind, Stephen Ruiz, and Chris Corman.